When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BedfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 113 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Adam Gontier and Mike Mushak from Sanisonia, I want to remind you about the official online Mistress Carrie store at mistresscarry.com. There's still plenty of time this summer to get your hands on the new Mistress Carrie tank tops so you can show off the guns before the cold weather shows up. I know, nobody wants to think about the winter or anything. But when fall does come, there's Mistress Carrie hoodies, beanies, t-shirts, and so much more. So log on to mistresscarry.com and check out the official online store. And if you have a Mistress Carry backstage pass on Patreon, there's a pretty good chance there's discount coupons for you to get all your Mistress Carry gear at a discount. Okay, I can't believe it's been this long, but back on July 29th of 2020, Adam Gontier and Mike Mushak from St. Asonia were on episode eight of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And now, over two years later, they're back on episode 113. And I caught up with the guys to talk about their new music, Introvert, to find out how they spend all of their time during the height of the lockdown, and to see if they were tired of being locked in the house with their families yet. We also talked about some pretty interesting skills that the guys have, what their idea of perfect songwriting is, the music they grew up listening to that inspired the music they make today. We talked about their families, their upcoming tour, and so much more. It's amazing how much can change in two years. So allow me to reintroduce you to Adam Gontier and Mike Mushak from St. Asonia.
Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hello, gentlemen. Hello Hello. there. It's nice to see you again. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, Yeah. very good. Yeah, very good. I always like to start because I can never keep track of you guys. I need to put one of those... Apple Air tags on you, so I know where the hell in the world you are. Adam, where are you right now? I'm in Canada. Uh, I'm outside of uh, Toronto, in Peterborough, where where I live uh, about half the year. In half the year, I'm in Nashville, but uh, yeah, right now in Canada. And Mike, I'm assuming you're back in New England. If everybody I went am. home for a rest, yep, I'm in Connecticut. Adam, everybody I talk to is in freaking Nashville. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if they're crazy. not there, they're moving there. Yeah, it's unbelievable how much rock music is getting made in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, we yeah, we just decided uh, just decided to get out of Canada for the winters. You know, it's uh, just we're getting sick of it. See, so. people in New England go to Florida for that. Is that the Canadian snowbird that you go from Canada to Nashville? <laughs> No, no, it's Florida for sure for Canadians, but I I couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't justify that, so yeah, I had to had to bring it up a bit to Nashville. Yeah. So, Mike, that means in the wintertime you have a a winter house in Nashville as well. I know I don't. I stay here. Although I will say this winter we are not myself. I think my daughter is going to Florida this winter. But you can always use Adam's place. He'll let you crash on the couch. <laughs> Absolutely. Air mattress on the floor. <laughs> we got a room for you. When I talk to all the bands about going to Nashville, obviously they talk about, you know, that the whole touring world is kind of based out of there now. So they do it for convenience and having the ability to go to all these venues and stuff. But can I talk to you guys about how songwriting gets done there? Because it seems like such a weird thing to like have a three hour coffee meeting with someone in the hopes of writing a song with a total stranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, for actually, um, I've been doing that quite a bit, getting together with people. I mean, it's kind of cool because you're, uh, a lot of times you're, um, connecting with people that you've spoken to over the years, you've, you know, played shows with here and there, and, you know, and just kind of get together and play on, trying to write a song or something, but 
It's, I mean, it's all, yeah, it can be definitely be a bit of a weird experience for sure. I feel like it would be like internet dating or speed dating or something where you're just like, you get there, you got a three hour meeting, you know, in five minutes, this isn't going to work. And now you got to make uncomfortable conversations for two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on who you're working with. It is kind of a weird, uh, weird thing though, for sure. But does it strengthen songwriting muscles that you can then bring back to St. Asonia? Like, does it does it actually make you a better songwriter, kind of putting yourself through that process? I don't know if it makes you a better songwriter. Definitely, uh, it definitely helps with um, just sort of being, uh, I guess, opening up to different ideas and maybe working with other people. But we've always kind of done that anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, just been writing songs for so long for so many years that you know it it is just what it is you know um i had you guys on episode number eight of the mistress carrie podcast and now you know i'm up into the hundreds of episodes now it seems so long ago since i saw your faces <laughs> it all congratulations on that that's awesome. It was yeah. really nice to have that thing to keep me like occupied, you know, like getting the podcast up and running, getting my studio up and running. And then to get back on the radio again, it was like, well, at least while the whole world is nuts out there, mm -hmm. I can focus on this. Is, is that where introvert came from was just, we got to do something positive. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, we had to do something. <laughs> you know just something period uh but yeah that we do we didn't really have much else uh to do i mean same same kind of situation you know just stuck at home um just decided to write and write and write and that's where that's where introvert came from yeah i mean when when you guys were on the show this was like the end of the summer of 2020 like still crazy pants covid world with no idea what was going on and all the conversations that i had with people like how are you doing now as tours are starting to go out and albums that were created in that weird time are starting to come out um can you look back on it like what were you guys doing besides making music to keep yourself occupied that maybe you never would have had time to do before i mean for me I, honestly it's weird i look I look back at that time and it was actually a really cool time for me because there was nothing else going on. So like the kids were stuck here. We were all stuck here. It, nobody was able to go anywhere. Nobody was like his, you know, my son's baseball team wasn't playing. My daughter couldn't go to the barn to ride horses. So we were just all here. Their school, the schools didn't know what to do when they closed down. They'd have like three hours a day, maybe. And they're like, okay, we got nothing else for you, you know? And so we would just like go on hikes and like hang out. And I mean, it was actually like a really cool time. Yeah. For, I mean, for we, talked, we talked about you like trying to help with like the math homework. We were joking that like that was basically what it, your job was for a it's while. Still going, yeah, no. And it's still going on, except it's really it's a lot harder now. My, my son's going to a different school next year and they the school's like his first school that he was at only had a half year geometry. Now they have a full year. So like, you know, we suggest you take a summer class. So they have this, you know, full year geometry class like, oh, it should be easy. He did half of it. Well, my mother was a math teacher and a math major, and she like literally grades like the the accrediting teachers to go to, you know, uh, be math teachers, 
helping do that and grading their tests. It takes her like 10 hours to do this work. She's like, I don't know what they're teaching this kid in, you know, ninth grade. That <laughs> So anyways, yeah, we're, there's still a little bit of that going on. Adam, what about you? Yeah, it was the same, same type of thing. I mean, you know, it's rare that you get uh, like time off like that and just have the entire family and everybody in the house just kind of stuck inside, not really able to leave. So it was, I mean, yeah, I really, in, to be honest, I enjoyed, enjoyed the time that I had at home. Um, yeah, it, it felt like, uh, you know, I think uh, probably for a lot of people, it just felt like we were forced to take a step out of all of the, you know, the chaos and the our daily lives and just everything, just, we were forced to step out of that and just, just be alone with our families. And that was, I mean, it was really amazing. <laughs> you know, one of the great things for me is to be able to have more long form conversations with guys like you, because a, you didn't have anything else to do and B <laughs> I'm not rushing to get into commercials or something the way that you do with live radio and right. mm-hmm. talking to so many artists that were saying the exact same thing as you guys that like mm-hmm. it forced you to have like forced family fun time. But I think there's a lot of really beautiful rock star flower gardens and vegetable gardens. And like Slash told me he was building Legos and like, you know, the guys from Theory of a Dead Man were like doing jigsaw puzzles. Like all of a sudden you found a new creative outlet and something you never thought you'd have the time to do. Yeah, uh-huh. I, re- I redid a, a bathroom and two and two bedrooms at that time too as well. My daughter got her whole thing redone. And so I thought like, I didn't know that like, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's was going to be essential. So I remember like coming up a list of everything I would need and going there and with a pickup and buying all this stuff. And they're like, no, no, we're not closing on Monday. We're still going to be open. Like, oh, thank God. Cause I don't need a million more things. Did so, you learn how to tile? Did you do the tile work yourself? I did all the tile. No, I've done it before. I did all the tile work. Yeah, I did. You should see it. It came out great too. I did everything. We've got, a, plumbing, we've got a reality. We've got a reality construction show in the works where Mike. Yeah. We do we got bathrooms and different things. <laughs> Listen, I got a bathroom upstairs that I need to replace the tub there we go. because it's, it. it's stained purple. <laughs> yeah. And I could tell right. why I, I know. Right. And <laughs> why I, don't you just get the tub refinished purple? Well, what I'm thinking is like to get some kind of cool black tile or something. So I just don't have to worry about it ever again. Yeah, no, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You, go. you should do. So when you're done, you know, you, with or this, use better dye. Yeah. <laughs> Look, when you're done with this whole day job you got, Mike, if you don't mind coming over here and putting on the tool belt and taking care of that guest bath I got. I got to do my son's maybe this fall. So, I mean, that's, he's, he's been after. He's like, you redid her sign. Okay. Hey. One of the other things that I started noticing as trends since I talked to you guys last, and Mike, you brought it up a little bit with your mom, is that there seems to be this proficiency with math and musicians. And I've been asking artists about it all the time because they say it it is kind of the same part of the brain. And we talked about it two years ago. And I can tell you from my not so scientific research that (laughs) a lot of the bands I'm talking to, it seems to be a common thread that their musical ability, their math ability and their language ability, they all say, well, yeah, you know, that I can write songs or play the drums, but I am also really good with math or I am also multilingual. So it does seem to be right. 
Gotcha. I Interesting. How about, if, I mean, for me, I'll just, uh, no. Not, <laughs> not at all. I mean, it's, I it's the complete, complete opposite. Like I went, I, you know, in school, I was into writing and, you know, all the, all the creative stuff and I'm not good at math. I mean, I can do it, but you know, just not good. Like Kale, our bass player, uh, my cousin is great at math and stuff and he's, you know, quick learner. So, but I, I, I believe you that there's, there's a connection there between being able to, to, you know, I don't know, be really good at an instrument and just process things in the same sort of way, maybe, you know? Yeah, for sure. But not for me. You just didn't get the family gene, but your cousin did. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's it. How about you, Mike? Are you good at math? I I mean, I'm like two classes away from having a major in math as an engineer. That's that's why it made me bring up the conversation back on episode eight, because I was like, you're the perfect example of it being a (laughs) true theory. Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Mike can also read backwards. So, I mean, he's got quite the brain. Shut up. Can you really? I know. Clad Stroke have. No way. <laughs> Say. Anya. Can you seriously have a whole conversation backwards? Does your brain work I that fast? I knock Stroke have. Stop it. I can't do it. It's not fair. <laughs> it blows my mind. Edabin Swantat. Now I'm Nobody have, knows that. I'm going to have to go back and play this shit backwards to have some yeah. kind of an idea of what the hell you're you saying. You have to do that. Go ahead. Mike Mushok is speaking satanic messages, talking <laughs> backwards on the new St. Asonia EP. You play it her backwards, you hear Mike? Yeah. <laughs> I read an article with you guys talking about the new music, saying that the more time you spend together, the more songs you're writing, the better you feel like it's like it's getting did did you guys get over a a songwriting hump kind of being forced to write and also being forced to write separately like how did that kind of improve where you guys are now with the new ep i don't think there was ever really an issue with that honestly it's always kind of been something i think since the very beginning it's kind of what even brought us together i think that you know it was early on it was like oh this is this works you know what i mean so i think that that's yeah yeah, and this time around we were just yeah we were stuck not being able to get together. Us being in Canada at the time of the pandemic and Mike being in the states, we kind of yeah we had to remotely send things back and forth and you know all that. So that was the that was the different difference for us this time around. With all the new music that's coming out, it seems like artists wanted to be on one side of the fence or the other. They either wanted to channel the. Um, the fear and the uncertainty and the isolation and all of that, that they were feeling into this music. And then there's a whole other vein of artists that were like, we want to be the escape from what everyone's feeling because we're all kind of in this together. Did you guys consciously kind of take one side or the other of the fence with this new stuff? No, not really. Not consciously. I mean, for me, I've always like lyrically anyway, I've always sort of written just about what's, what's happening uh and just as an outlet and stuff so it just felt really natural um you know and sitting down with the guitar and whatever just writing stuff felt pretty natural to write about what what was going on and you know all that what you said the uncertainty and and a bit of fear and what's going to happen and how we're going to come out of this and 
all that stuff. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. At least you answered I mean, front ways so I could understand you. I, no, I mean, listen, Adam writes the lyrics. So, I mean, I think that that's from where more of that comes from. You know what I mean? So I, for me, it's, I don't know. It's nothing really changed. So it, but it doesn't come through with say the, the riffs like, so. I don't know. Here's, here's no. something that I've learned from the interviews I've done since I saw you guys last that there are completely different schools of thought when it comes to specifically with riffs and guitar players that I've talked to. So there's the people that just tool around on the guitar all the time and get these riffs and they record them and they like squirrel them away like nuts and a squirrel, like just save them. That's you raising yeah. your hand. Yeah. Because then there's somebody that like Zach Wilde told me that he doesn't write anything unless he's writing for a specific project. And then he locks his, himself in a room and says, I'm going to write a song and he writes it and then it's done and he moves on to the next. And right. everybody I talk to, they're like, I don't know how Zach does that because most artists say that they are like you. Well, I've, mm -hmm. I've had to do that before. I've been in situations where it's like, you know, I remember, I remember finishing, trying to finish 14 shades of gray was stained. And, you know, you have, you have these people that are telling you that the record's not done and, you know, you need more songs. And, and it's like, I remember us sitting in a rehearsal spot in Los Angeles and me sitting up there and everybody looking at me, like write a song <laughs> and everybody's sitting there watching me. And uh, we wrote price to play in like 45 minutes, you know, and that's, but, you know, so I don't know. I mean, those you can do, but for me, it's more about just kind of, you know, playing around and saving ideas, coming across something cool and that's, you know, and saving it and, you know, working on it and finishing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels like if you have ideas saved, I mean, if you got to get in a room at some point with somebody where you have to write a song for a certain project, you can go back and yeah, back and look through Play a bunch of different things and say, Hey, what do you like? What, what should mm -hmm. we, what should we work on? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. if, and usually if you have something like that and it sparks something and finishing it is usually fairly easy, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of you guys, you've been musicians for the better part of your adolescence through now. I've developed some music theories since I saw you last. So let me throw <laughs> them out to you and you guys tell me if I'm crazy or not. I have a theory that you get exposed to the music growing up when you're a kid the cool uncle, dad, older brother. And that's mm. like the soundtrack to your childhood. And then mm. there's a day where you get exposed to something that maybe no one else likes but you, or you finally have developed enough of a musical taste where you go, that's me, that's what I like, that's mine. Mm -hmm. So each one of you, what was it that you got exposed to growing up? And then what was that thing that started a new musical era in your life. You want to go, Adam? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, my parents were, my mom's a musician. So, and my dad was a huge, a huge music fan. So I listened, I was, I grew up with everything like from, from like the Beatles or whatever to Def Leppard to Aerosmith to Christopher, to just like everything. It was just such a wide spectrum. So yeah, anytime I hear any of that stuff, like you said, it's uh, yeah, it's my childhood and that sort of thing, just like anybody else, I guess. But I think probably when when I was about fourteen and heard uh, heard the Seattle band, you know, it, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, all that stuff, Alice in Chains. 
that was it for me for sure. And that, cause that's when I was just starting to learn how to play and starting to want to write songs and stuff. So that just had a massive influence and that was it for me. Like those, you know, it was Pearl Jam and Nirvana for sure. Were the was two it for the me lyrics or the, or the sound or both? It was both. It was both for sure. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Vedder's voice just blew me away back then. I, I was, you know, just blown away. Um, yeah. And Nirvana was just so different, you know, and the, it's so heavy and cool. And yeah. Still is. Just, <clears throat> still is. Yeah. yeah still is. Great. Yeah. But that was it for me for sure. Um, and it's kind of still that way. If I, I mean, if I want to just listen to stuff, you know, that um, I don't know, I just want to go away in my mind. It's that stuff. It's the Seattle, that whole thing. I get sucked into that very easily. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, I'm so old. There's a few of those <laughs> turning points <laughs> for me. So it's like, it, you know, def- definitely steps and layers. And, uh, but, you know, first was, was, like folk music for me. That's what my parents listen to. Whether, whether it was like, you know, Harry Chapin or Jim Croce or James Taylor, Elton John, or, you know, that type of singer songwriter type of thing got me wanting to play guitar. And then, you know, Led Zeppelin and Van Halen were probably a huge, like Van Halen for me was, I mean, I heard eruption. It was just like, it still stops me in my tracks to this day when I hear it. You know what I mean? Um, and then I, you know, then probably like, uh, you know, like Pantera was another one that really did, you know, um, Rage Against the Machine was another one for me. And that's like, you know, the Seattle time. I, I think that was, a, you know, the same type of thing. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam. I've never heard of any of these bands you mentioned. <laughs> well, I left out. There was a huge thing for me, right? Because I was, I really. <clears throat> rental music because i could never find a singer so i was like that you know i took lessons with uh tony mcalpine who was like a, you know a shrapnel shredder fantastic person musician the best i've ever met you know and uh you know ingve you know tony i went through that whole shrapnel just playing soloing over everything for years so that was uh you know but I'm talking about then the stuff with a singer. And then when Stain finally started, it was like I was, I had solo so much I didn't want to anymore. And a lot of the songs didn't have the solos. And, you know, like you listen to like Deftones and there's no guitar solos. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I don't want to solo anymore. Either, you know? <laughs> so well, um, the last time I saw you guys, Eddie Van Halen was still alive. You know, I mean, it seems like a different world. Yeah. The whole mm-hmm. rock community just, and the inability to honor him properly because of COVID, to really mm-hmm. be able to pay tribute, I think the rock community kind of still needs to do whatever Wolf wants to do to honor mm-hmm. his dad and whatever Alex wants to do. But it's like, right? there's that thing that is left unsaid, that way to publicly memorialize. I mean, it's I mean, it's impossible just- to measure his influence, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, to yeah. me, I mean, he was the best ever. I mean, it was, there's his amp right there. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's the best amp you can go into a store and buy off the shelf. I think, you know, it's, but besides he was just, uh, just a, such a great songwriter too. And I mean, from the stuff he did with David Lee Roth, then to Sammy Hagar, I mean, whatever you think, I mean, it was just, you know, when you hear one note and you know, it's him, right. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Well, that leads me to my guitar tone question. So after I talked to you guys last, I had a great conversation with Nuno Betancourt, and it was after Eddie had passed. And he told me a story about early in Extreme's career that Dweezil Zappa took him to an, a Van Halen rehearsal, which, you know, oh, and, yeah, 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 and sure. Eddie let Nuno play his guitar, his strings, his guitar, his chords, his amp, his pedals, all of it. And Nuno talked about how sad he was that he still sounded like Nuno. Like him. Yeah, right. Totally. It's it's him. Yeah. And right. so as a non-guitar player. Oh, go Wait, ahead. as a guitar player, Nuno shouldn't have felt that sad because he sounds pretty damn good. So, I mean, it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I, I what I said right. to him. I was like, poor Nuno. But it right. led me to ask, because I'm not a player, so I don't really understand. It led me to ask guitar players after that where you think your tone or where you think any guitarist tone comes from. Because if Nuno can't sound like Eddie on Eddie's rig, then where does Eddie's tone come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, his hands, his approach, his attack, the way he plays, you know, it's in the fingers, really. So is that how you feel about yours too? Yeah, yeah. And there's things about mine that I that I don't like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, but it's always there, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, Adam? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's the uh, I I've always my I've been so simple at my my the way I play and my setup and everything. I can just play with a regular amp as long as I've got a clean channel and a heavy channel. And I think that stems from the my influence from you know those bands like Nirvana and stuff, where it was just it was just distortion. And I get I that's kind of still to this day. I can't really. You know, I'm not a shredder and I'm not a soloer really. So, so my, my tone or whatever is just, I don't know, just make it sound good. That's it. I talked you to know. Slash about this and I told him that he has one of the most recognizable tones in rock and roll guitar playing. He actually mm-hmm. thanked me for the compliment because he said he still feels like he's in search of his own tone. And I was like, if Slash hasn't friggin' found it, nobody has. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, can I ask you guys, because we were talking about Nashville songwriting, can I ask you guys the songwriting question? Um, again, I can't do it myself, totally envious of the craft. Can you each give me an example of a song, regardless of genre, music type, what, that doesn't matter, that you feel like is perfectly crafted and is an excellent example of songwriting? A song you think is so good you wish you wrote it, but then you got to break it down from a musician and songwriter's perspective and explain why. Mm, that's a good one. Mike, do you have anything off the top of your head? I mean, a couple songs can't, you know, jumped into my my head, but... Go ahead. What do you got? Tough question. Well, I I mean, there's so many. There's so many great ones, yeah, so it's obviously. really tough. Uh, but it, first off, I thought of Jeff Buckley, any Jeff Buckley songs from like Grace, where I think that whole album is ridiculous and his playing and his singing ability and all that stuff was just off the charts. But I really, I feel like uh, Deftones' Sex Tape is probably one of my, I mean, it's definitely one of my favorite songs uh, of all time. And I think it's it's almost perfectly written, but that's, I mean, it's, that's, for me, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, well, that's why the question is there because it's going to be different for you because it highlights what you think the craft of songwriting is. Right. Right. Yeah. That one just, uh, I mean, they've got so many great songs, but that one in particular, just everything about it from, you know, the, the riff, the intro riff clean into a, a 
uh, soaring choruses and lyrically it's amazing i think just all of that song is that's one i definitely definitely kind of wish i had a row you know there's a bunch of deftone ones too but i think actually it's it's, they're yeah really good i Mm -hmm. i think the one because uh like black hole sun would be a song to me like kind of comes to mind that i hear him just it's like it's it's, you know it's perfect you know Mm -hmm. um I think there's some Metallica songs too that kind of touch upon that, you know, that I've just like, you know, the way they, some of those riffs are just like one to me is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Know. And even though it's commercially extremely successful, that doesn't mean that technically craft wise that it's not brilliant as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't matter how many times you hear it. I think those, those are the songs that, you know, you can hear it a million times on the radio, but it's still an incredible song. Well, Introvert is the new music that everybody finally gets to hear coming out of this dormancy of, you know, lockdown. The next mm. thing is obviously the relationship with the rock fans being able to get in, reintroduced live on stage in front of them, which is, you don't realize how much you miss it till it's taken away and then you get to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while for us. I mean, we, uh, we've been playing some shows over the last little bit, just, uh, festivals here and there, but yeah, it's gonna be nice to get back on tour. I mean, when we put out the last record flawed design, we played one show shortly before it came out, I think maybe a couple of days before it came out or the day before. And then that was it. You know, we had a tour, we were supposed to tour, but yeah, it didn't happen. So it's been a while for us looking, you know, really looking forward to doing it finally again. Does it make you nervous? Do you get stage fright not doing something for so long that used to be just no big deal because you did it all the time? Not really. Not for not for me anyway. It's no. yeah, just because I've done it for so long. It's almost like uh, I get a little bit nervous before we go on, you know, depending on the size of the, the place and stage and all that stuff. But, you know, it takes about half a song and then. <laughs> I, I, w- I will say it was there was a gig that we did. God, I don't remember. I think it was it was last year and it was a festival and we hadn't played together in years. And I stained was playing on. And I had to play with both bands. And so these those guys rehearsed in Canada. And again, I couldn't go up to Canada and it wasn't going to happen because I had these other rehearsals. So we actually set up in our dressing room which was like 10 by 10 and ran the set before we played. Yeah. Yeah. That was rock. Then we went up and played. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I played better in the St. Asonia set than I did in the stain set. I went up there and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was rock fest in Wisconsin. I remember that. Yeah. And you're not just like starting back off again in like little club shows, like, like, incarceration and some of these festivals like these are massive crowds of people it's like you go mm-hmm. from zero to a hundred fast yeah, yeah. that way yeah yeah for sure <laughs> yeah we've done i mean thankfully we've done a few smaller festivals like the last couple we did do a few clubs in canada here toronto and uh ottawa and uh peterborough um and they were a little bit smaller. So, yeah, we we have sort of gradually. Wait, St. Asonia's first gig was Rock on the Range. That's right. Yeah. Ever. We jumped in, we jumped <laughs> in, in 2015 in front of like 35,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we've never played before. Let's go do this. Yeah, yeah that seems like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, we made we got through it. It was good. Um, yeah, no complaints. First th- first show ever it was it was a good one. There yeah. were a lot of concerns, a lot of talk last time I talked to you guys about um, how the rock fans were going to respond with being separated from the music and their artists and the music they love and the concerts and everything. Um, what do the fans and their support mean to you? Because getting back out on the road now, the shows are all selling out. The fans are there. They're picking right back where they left off and then some. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the the support that we've had even from 2015, like when we, when we started, it, it's always been not like it, you know, it hasn't wavered at all. Everybody's always, always been so supportive of what, we're doing you know with a a new project a new band um and yeah especially now it's amazing to see and having the new music out very soon here is uh you know it seems like everybody's really really excited and a lot of people asking us to come to their city so we're we're working on that but yeah it's amazing yeah Um, logistically it's a little tough to put a tour together because every venue's booked six mm -hmm. deep right now even on like a tuesday uh uh-huh yeah yeah. Yeah. We're doing our best. We're, I, I know uh, we're working on something for the fall. So I think we'll, we'll have something uh, settled and announced here shortly, I think. And you got to schedule them around Mr. Mooshock's other, you know, little side project that. Yeah, how that long's, little, little thing he's got going on the side. Yeah. How long's that get li- guest list for that stain show in Springfield, Mike? Yeah. I don't even want to take a look. I have no idea yet. <laughs> I know. Right. A hometown show for the band that hasn't played in town in a while. I'm sure your phone is ringing off the hook. Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, I've definitely heard from a few people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me. It was so good to see you with, like, the possibility of being in the same room soon. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. It's been too long. And I promise that by the time you guys schedule these fall dates and, like, that I will try my best to learn how to speak backwards. It's like my new goal in life. Cape oh, Straw Cap? Win Leog? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right, guys. Good luck. I'm so excited well, you, for Gary. everybody to hear the new music, and I will see you guys soon. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thanks, time. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah. There they are, Adam Gontier and Mike Mushak from St. Asonia. If you want to check out their new seven-song EP, Introvert, just check out the corresponding playlist for this episode. You'll find it right in the show notes. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and fill it with my guest music and all of the other music that we referenced in the interview. You'll also find the link to their first appearance on the Mistress Carrie podcast way back on episode eight. And you'll find Mike Mushak's social media links, Adam Gontier's social media links, all of the band links, and all the Mistress Carrie links, too. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like and follow the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report is filled with rock news, music headlines, and industry info. So you can get caught up with all of the headlines in five minutes or less. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my live video streaming show, Cocktails in the War Room. 
And you can also check out the Mistress Carrie radio show. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now, hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.